Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... way off the deep end and God didn't wash his hands of them. Why? Because Abraham had believed God earlier and it was counted for him as righteousness. God looked at Abraham as he looks as anyone who has put their trust in Jesus Christ and sees Christ in you. And so therefore he didn't give up on Abraham. Have you ever tried to help God out? Come on, let's be honest. We are friends and family here at Changed by Love. We have all tried to help God out at some point in our lives. While it doesn't make it right, you may be surprised to learn that even some of the great saints of the Bible tried to do that. And just like it is sometimes for us, the results can be disastrous. In Galatians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul shares about how his forefather Abraham tried to help God, and the incredible lessons we can learn from Abraham's experience. Here's Pastor Jim. Tell me why you think you're going to heaven. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I serve in my church. I give. I help people when they're in need. Now, all of those are indicators that the Holy Spirit might live in them. Those are the things that you look for in people, that radical life change where it's no longer all about me, but it's all about what I can do for God and serve God's people and love God's people. And when you talk to those people, some of them are very humble about it. Others are very proud about it. Some of them even tell you, I go to Bible study during the week, sit on a couch with my friends and give my opinion about what the Bible means. Of course, I always say, well, it doesn't matter what your opinion what the Bible means, you know. And like, what do you mean? I go, it matters what God thinks it means. And why would they tell us all of those things? Because they still want to live under the law. Why? Because sadly, those people, their faith is about what they do for God, not what God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Are they Christians? I don't know. But when it's all about them, they are certainly stuck. Or they are certainly moving backwards. They are not what Jesus called appearing to be born again. Most people, when you meet them on the outreaches, you ask them you know, about their faith, and they will tell you what their church is doing. Oh, we sent 18 people to South America on a missions trip. That's great. That was not the question, though because they are associating with what they do or others they know are doing with the gospel. So the Apostle Paul is like, why would you want to be under that? You're not going to make it. Verse 22 and 23, he introduces a story to prove his point. One he assumes that they're very familiar with, because there's not a lot of explanation here. 
I'm gonna give some explanation, but he's assuming they are very, very familiar with this. Verse 22, for it is written that Abraham, now we've seen in previous studies that Abraham was the father of the Jews, no doubt one that these false teachers pointed to a lot. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by the bondwoman, they had a slave named Hagar, she had a son named Ishmael, that's Genesis 16. What happened? Abraham was 86 years old. His wife made an arrangement, go sleep with my maidservant and have a child. We'll talk about more of that in a second. And he says the other by a free woman. That's his wife, Sarah, their son, Isaac, who came later. So it kind of goes like this. God had visited them, told them they're gonna have a child. They waited didn't turn out like they wanted. Abraham had sex with her, made, they had a child. And then Genesis 17, God visits Abraham. He's 99 and he says, oh, you remember 24, 25 years ago, I promised you were gonna have a son. He's coming next year. So what Paul wants to remind us is Abraham had two sons by two different mothers. Verse 23, but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. So the point he's making, keep this in the back of your mind, is that Abraham was seeking to accomplish God's promises in the flesh. And he's using the fact that it was with the slave woman that that produces bondage. And he, the son of the free woman, Sarah, through promise so that is the son of the promise. In verse 29, we'll see that it was through the Holy Spirit. So here the Apostle Paul is going to show the Galatians how the father of the Jews, remember we said that Abraham was before the law of Moses, a long time before the law of Moses, shows us how not to add law to the gospel, how not to add our own works to the gospel. So let's go back to the beginning. Abraham is 75, Sarah's about 65, and they have no kids. Abraham's name means father of many. Could just imagine it. You're hanging out with Abraham, me, just meet him, you're at a party. What's your name? It's Abraham, Abram. Doesn't that mean father of many? It does, yes. How many kids you have? None. <laughs> okay, a little bit of embarrassment at the party. A guy gets in the car home. Who's that guy you were talking to? You're not gonna believe that guy I was talking to. God promised that comes along and promises them that they're going to have many kids, but at their ages, that's physically impossible. Galatians 3, 6, remember we read this. Just as Abraham believed God, trusted God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So God comes to Abraham, tells him and his wife when they're very old, you are going to have a son. You will be the father of many that would be us, who are Christians. And at that point in his life, Abraham was walking by faith in the promises of God. God counted it to him as righteousness, not in the works of Abraham. We understand that? So far, so good. Let's fast forward. When Abraham, now about 10 years or so, Abraham's 85, Sarah is 75, and they are growing older impatient, and maybe cantankerous too. <laughs> and they're wondering, 
like you and I would wonder after such a time, where is the promise of God? We joke around here all the time. If I asked you how many of you think God is right on time, you would always go, oh, yes, Pastor Jim. But in reality, you think somebody needs to buy him a watch and a calendar because <laughs> time is passing by way too quickly and the promise has not come about. So they couldn't wait. So they decide to accomplish God's promise on their own. In other words, God needs help. So they're going to help God keep his promise. So in Genesis 16, Sarah says to Abraham, hey, listen, take my young, probably beautiful, because we know Sarah was beautiful. Take my young slave Hagar, my slave girl, and go into her and have a child. And by the custom of those days, that would be her child, Sarah's child. And so Abraham does it, and they conceived. Okay, men, just a quick lesson. <laughs> no matter how badly your wife wants a baby, <laughs> if she suggests to you that you have relations with another woman so you can have a child, the answer is no. Prepare that one in advance. <laughs> Teach that one to your sons, okay? That is no. He should have been like, I can't do that. I can't do that but he did. So the Apostle Paul's point here is, at this point, they are no longer living by faith, but they're now walking in the flesh. They're no longer living the life of faith where they gain their righteousness. God hasn't taken it away, but they're no longer trusting in the Lord. And the flesh produced Ishmael. Hagar had Ishmael. If you don't know who Ishmael is, he is the father of the Arabs. He is the one who most Islam, most Muslims would consider the father of Islam. So how do you think that family's going? <laughs> and the people of Ishmael had been a thorn in the side of the Jews for a long time. And this is what the works of the flesh does. The Apostle Paul is also teaching us a fundamental lesson that you know. But I feel like I have to say it. My wife is like this all the time. She's like, I know you know this. I just have to say this so I feel better, <laughs> right? And so, so I just have to say this uh, so I feel better. The Lord is much better at accomplishing his purposes than we are. Do you know that? Are you sure you know that? I know that, but sometimes I don't live that. So 14 years later, they've got Ishmael. He loves Ishmael. Abraham loves Ishmael. The Lord shows up. He's 99. And it's like almost 24, 25 years after the promise and says, this time next year, you have a son. Abraham's like, I love my boy. He's cool. I'm, this, this is fine. But the Lord says, no, 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 no. He's not the son of the promise. So the Apostle Paul is saying that notice the child of the promise is a miraculous birth by the grace of God, not by the flesh. So we who are Christians are miraculously born again by the grace and power of God, not by the works of the flesh. 
And so the same is true of the Lord Jesus, a miraculous birth where faith and trust in him produces children of the promise. The flesh cannot produce that. Now, when you go to the New Testament, both John the Baptist and Jesus had the same discussion with the religious leaders who were claiming to be children of Abraham. And they're told, no, you're not. No, you're not. Jesus and John the Baptist are like, no, you're not. And here the Apostle Paul is asking the Galatians to consider carefully, are the false teachers sons of slavery or sons of freedom? Are they the sons of the flesh or are they the sons of the promise of the grace of God? Only the son of the promise was the heir, and here only the son of the promise is the one that is conceived supernaturally, and he's born, and his parents are 190. His father's 100, his mother's 90. So, two men, both born, one born of the flesh, one born of faith, one born of a slave mother, and if you were born of a slave mother, you were a slave. The other one born of a free mother, so if you are born of a free mother, you are free. One representative as born under the law, one representative as born under grace, one representative of being born of the flesh or the sinful nature, one being born of the Spirit of God. Now, this is a distinction that very few people make, particularly in the area in which we live in, and it is the distinction between man-made religion and faith in the one that Titus 2.23, the Apostle Paul calls our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, many people, when you tell them that it all depends on Christ to get them to heaven are insulted. But I got to tell you, I could not be more encouraged. Now, I feel bad for all the problems they had, but I could not be more encouraged by the life of Abraham and Sarah. Their lives prove to us that we can fail and God can still use us, that we can sin. And if God has promised something to us, he will keep his promise. We sin, we repent, we try our best with God's help to obey the word of the Lord, all the while putting our trust in Jesus. Plus, I would also say, as we stay close to Jesus, their lives prove to us that our age, our physical condition, our spiritual condition prove to us that God is not finished with us because they were way off the deep end and God didn't wash his hands of them. Why? Because Abraham had believed God earlier and it was counted for him as righteousness. God looked at Abraham as he looks as anyone who has put their trust in Jesus Christ and sees Christ in you. And so therefore, 
He didn't give up on Abraham. In verse 24, the apostle Paul develops the allegory and he explains the spiritual lesson. And this is the section that is considered the really, really tough part. You're like, the other part wasn't the tough part? No, this is the really tough part, so we have to go slow. Verse 24, which things are symbolic? Some people translate that these things are illustrations. Others translate it these things being taken figuratively. Another translation says, now this may be interpreted allegorically. Don't let any of these different translations throw you. We want to look for the meaning of the passage, not our definition of the words. We're going to talk about sometimes, sometimes we look at how we think of words is not the same way words were thought of in the past and we can get ourselves into trouble. Which these things are symbolic for these are the two covenants. They represent the two covenants the one from Mount Sinai, think Moses, Ten Commandments, Old Testament law, all of the different things that they had to do, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. She's the slave woman. Verse 25, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Now, what we want to think of there is that she is outside of the promised land. She is outside of the people of God. She was banished there when they're, you know, <laughs> two women, one man, problems, always. People always say when they ask you in the Bible, but the Bible has plenty of polygamy in it. And you should say, yes, but you need to keep reading to see how it turns out. <laughs> right? And so just because the Bible records something that happens doesn't mean that the Bible endorses something that happens because it is recording history. And says, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to, and this is shocking. This is where any of the people who are the false teachers reading this would be like, he didn't really say that, did he? And corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. So he's saying, this is what Judaism has become. Verse 26, but, contrast, the Jerusalem above is free, or the, we might call it the new covenant is free, which is the mother of us all. So, now listen, it's very important. Heaven is being represented by Sarah and the miraculous birth of Isaac, not Mother God. So do not engage those people at the mall. So words often change meaning over time, sometimes more meaning, sometimes less, sometimes different. So we say here, is it symbolic? Is it an illustration? Is it figurative? Is it an allegory? Which is it? Let me give you a New Testament example of a word that has changed meanings. In the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, the word bishop is the word New Testament overseer. It's in the qualifications of an elder. In the New Testament, that word really means pastor. Later on, it came to mean an area director of certain branches of the church. 
I remember when I was a kid, I've said this before, the priest would stand up and say, we have a letter from the bishop. And my father would go, watch your wallet. <laughs> so a bishop was just a pastor. But now the bishop is something else. If you're a little bit older, you know it was a Monty Python skit too. <laughs> Let's forget about the words for a second and think about really what he's saying. Here the Apostle Paul is simply saying, we can see a relationship between a historical event and New Testament principles. The Apostle Paul is simply giving an analogy, a simple comparison between trying to fulfill God's purposes by human effort or by faith. Back in chapter 3, verse 3, he said, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So Hagar and Ishmael, who become, the again, Ishmael, the father of the Arabs, had to leave the people of God. Ishmael was being not nice to Isaac. We'll talk about that in a bit. And Sarah got fed up with it. And she's like, I don't know why you did that. You should have never did that. He's like, you told me to. You should have said no. Yes, I did. I should have said no. <laughs> and, 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 that, and that bondwoman and her son, they have to leave. So they end up out by Mount Sinai where Moses would get the law. They had become, the Apostle Paul's saying to us, a picture of those people trying to live by the law. And he's saying that is actually what much of Jerusalem is like, and that's what the false teachers are like. They had forgotten, not the apostles, but the religious leaders, the reason for the Babylonian captivity, that they had completely forgotten God. Isaiah said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus quoted the same thing in his generation. Same problem was going on. Paul's writing just a little after Jesus has ascended to heaven. And so he's saying the same thing is going on there. It's not about God. It's about what you're doing for God. In fact, they forgot the, really the mother of all predictions that when Jesus said that Jerusalem would be leveled, for their rejection of him, and it happened in 70 AD. So like Hagar and Ishmael were cast out of Abraham's family, the apostle is teaching the Galatians and us the same thing will happen to people who trust in human effort for salvation. The same thing will happen to people who put their trust in human effort to attain the promises of God that can only come through God. So the gospel is not that we attain righteousness by human effort. Rather, like the birth of Isaac, we receive salvation supernaturally by the grace of God through faith because of the cross of Christ. Abraham needed to go back to that. For a time, for a season, he forgot. And the Galatians forgot too. And probably many of us have forgotten that as well. Because it is so easy 
since we spend so much time with ourselves all day. It is so easy to go back to the law to think I'm doing pretty good, pretty bad. Remember, we are so inconsistent. But thank God that he is not. He is very consistent. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.